2: UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Here we are in sweltering London, kicking back in front of our desk fans in our moos, trying to do our jobs as hell itself opens up on the central line and all the pubs run outside her. Yes, it's summer in England like it is every year, but to be honest, how the fuck did we ever wear (laughs) jumpers? Joining me in this merciful air-conditioned glass box are Tamlin McGee, Charlotte G and Davey P, ready to cool you down with a 40-minute freeze pop of tech. We'll be talking dark stuff first before brightening up a bit with some light-hearted stock-price-crashing and expensive laptops overheating yarns. I still meet you. Uh, Okay, but banter aside, uh, Tamlin, you have a rather heavy subject for us this uh, Friday morning. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, listener, bear with us. We do have some uh, lighter topics coming up, but it's an important one and an interesting story that Tamlin wrote for techworld.com. So, uh, Tamlin, I'm just going to pass over to you to uh, unpack a complex subject.
3: I guess, first of all, What's been in the news a lot is um, workers in Silicon, Silicon Valley protesting uh, their companies collaborating with ICE, which is the um, Trump's Gestapo, essentially, rounding up immigrant <laughs> families. And Yeah. 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 Um, Amazon workers compared it to IBM collaborating with the Nazis during the Holocaust. So I thought it would be interesting to speak with the author of a book called IBM and the Holocaust, a guy called Edwin Black, who's an investigative journalist and an author, uh, and get his perspective on the topic.
2: Yep, And it's pretty bleak. <laughs> is there any, like, uh, head, head, what was your headline? Do you remember, do you remember what the story yeah, went yeah. with? The,
3: the headline was, A Warning From The Past, IBM, The Holocaust, Ice, and Silicon Valley. And the reason I thought it was really apt to revisit it is because we're we're kind of leaving these we're leaving uncharted waters to the good faith of uh, companies and their ethics departments that they'll develop these technologies, but we have absolutely no oversight into what they're doing and why. And I think, well, IBM did basically enable the Holocaust to happen really efficiently with the use of automation technology, which was pretty much brand new at the time. So they weren't the engineers there were so the statisticians and engineers were so excited about the fact that they could do these things they didn't stop to think mm. are we abetting crimes against humanity right
4: yeah <laughs> a small consideration you have mm-hmm. thought but yeah so so people people basically Perhaps there's, there's a bit of an issue around people focusing on the process rather than the outcome and just thinking like we're working on this thing, but not thinking what is the end that this is going to be used to. Right.
3: Achieve. I think there's a real problem with technocrats and technocracy uh, now, even with the so-called progressive strands in America, you, you we're listening to billionaires or millionaires like Satya Nozella of Microsoft or, or the Google, C, Google CEO who just promise that they're going to use AI for ethical reasons, but actually in their actions, they're mm. being tightly integrated with Trump's Gestapo or um, Amazon's working with the CIA and there's all these mm-hmm. facial recognition programs and it's like, how, how much do we trust them, really? Mm-hmm. I guess it'd be useful to actually talk about what IBM did, Yeah, maybe.
4: Yeah, definitely. So- <laughs>
2: sorry, sorry, yes, no, 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 yeah. the, the floor is yours.
3: Yeah. Right, right, so it's a bit complicated, so bear with me. I'll try and get it right. At the turn of the 20th century, there was a German-born inventor called Hermann Hollerith, and he invented tabulating machines that would use punch cards to automate, um, to to give you answers that would require a lot of paper pushing, usually. Yeah. So the history is... He licensed his patents to a guy called Willy Heidinger in Germany, who created a company called Dehomag. My German's bad, but I'll try. Deutsche hollerith maschinen Gesellschaft, I think. Mm. Now, over in America, uh, a guy called Thomas Watson, who'd later be the CEO of IBM, was a traveling salesman. Uh, eventually, he became really good at sales, uh, got prosecuted for new antitrust laws then wrangled out of that and eventually was appointed CEO of a company called the computing <laughs> tabulating recording company CTR.
1: <laughs>
3: now CTR was an amalgamation of five di- uh, I think five different companies yeah. and Dehomag was the most dominant one it was the one that had the most promise. So CTR managed to get a majority stake in Dehomag 90% and then Thomas Watson renamed CTR IBM. Okay. So now you've got IBM in America and their German subsidiary wholly owned by IBM, Dehogag. Mm-hmm. Uh gosh. <laughs> <Where am I? laughs> no,
4: that's useful because that at least explains like how it how IBM how it came connects. to be involved, yeah. So
3: the Hollerith machines had previously been used in like census recordings, so they were proven to be efficient in counting people. Now obviously what the Nazis did was count people but with the purpose of subjugating and subdividing the population and oppressing people, yeah and derhomag uh, the tabulating machines made that extremely efficient, and the Nazis relied on IBM all the way through uh especially the third Reich's first years
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: uh and eventually it wasn't just the original census taking but it would help with making the trains run on time, but of course these trains would be going to and from. Prison camps yeah. or death camps. Um, and it so was it wasn't
4: just the Holocaust. So th- I mean, as in, like they were involved from the start around yeah. around collecting data on the population. People, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because obviously, the, the reason that one of the biggest reasons why they were able to execute the Holocaust with such sort of horrific efficiency was because they had such good data and right. such good demographic data.
3: Right. And something you uh, a technology buzzword here all the time now is running things at scale. This mm. was the first time that they counted people at yeah. scale. Yeah. Right. And they used it ultimately to this end.
4: Yeah. 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 What does what does IBM say about that now today? Do, do, they, <laughs> do they, well, I mean, i have to admit they did it, but do they sort of express any contrition for, for, their, for their role?
3: There's there's been no admittance at all. Um, I'm just looking for IBM's statement that a yeah. press guy sent me while he was on holiday because obviously he did want to reply to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was something along the lines of IBM has never been silent on this issue. But um, Edwin Black says he, he he believes, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but my understanding is there needs to be some accountability and ownership of mm. this from IBM because they
4: yeah.
3: did enable all this yeah. to happen. yeah. You know? And he, he also points out at the beginning of his book that the Holocaust and the murdering of people could or would have happened without IBM, mm. but what these machines did was they made it a lot more efficient using automation, which is what we hear about a lot mm-hmm. now as yeah. well.
4: Mm-hmm. What do you think, because obviously in the article you talk about it being a bit of a warning from the past, um, and ov- obviously I can see sort of links to, to enabling, making it easier for, for ICE to uh, operate in, in the US. What else do you sort of think we can learn from this episode?
0: I don't, I don't know. Well...
3: I don't know. It feels like we're living dystopia to a degree at the moment. Um, he, he, he put it in a. He, he said to me that he feels that we're sliding down the mountain, and grasping at trees and edges, but falling down the mountain at great speed. Because if something's not done to hold uh, these emerging technologies to account, there's no, there's no concrete defenses against something like this happening again mm. and i guess you're seeing glimpses of that with like american companies aiding ICE mm. in america
4: yeah. yeah how would that because there's been a lot of talk around around people saying that tech companies need to be regulated so i guess that would look at kind of but but how um i wonder how the government could go around doing that it's difficult to know who is responsible for this oversight and how do you then implement it in practice
3: Also, it seems like oversight doesn't really matter to a lot of these companies. Like, Uber for instance has been breaking laws and ignoring regulations wherever it operated because it can afford to take the hit mm. it'll just push and push and push and if it gets frozen out of a market then it can go to other markets mm. yeah. or agree to those regulations yeah. but there's not been much sign of that happening yeah.
4: well this is part of the problem that in a way and I mean it's, it's a, a different case but I mean for example there was a strike at, uh, uh, sorry not a strike there was an attempt at forming a trade union in BuzzFeed this week and they basically said we don't want to push it too far because if we did they just say right well we're going to just move everything to India so in a way these companies are so globalized and so powerful that individual even individual governments are are actually don't seem that powerful in the face of of someone like you know Google or Facebook or Microsoft
3: yeah and I mean I guess once globalization was fully solidified like what late 90s early 2000s yeah, if you if you strike at a plant, they will just move production elsewhere. Mm, mm. But, I mean, there are signs that that is something that could be tackled. Last week during Prime Day, uh, Amazon warehouse workers across Europe went on a strike together. I was talking to someone from an organisation called Make Amazon Pay, who said that if we tie these struggles to wider social movements and the left, I guess, then maybe it would have a bit more teeth because there are all these bottlenecks and choke points that these companies have to uh these companies rely on regardless of where they move production they're always going to need logistics and you Mm. can't automate that automate that completely Mm. so it's not like we're completely powerless but it feels like in my opinion there needs to be like mass action and mass awareness of these sort of issues before any um change could happen Mm. or any anything with teeth Mm -hmm. Mm. to rein these companies in
4: yeah it's 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 very interesting it's also with like project maven and and looking at at companies that are working in the department of defense yeah because actually interestingly quite a lot of the pushback from that has come from employees at the companies themselves so Mm -hmm. maybe there's some faith we can take in the fact that the people working for that are actually saying we don't want you to do this um Uh, yeah i I guess but uh, (laughs)
3: like i don't know yeah yeah. Uh, to to the yeah, yeah, definitely. But to the, to the same point, like in response to that, uh, these companies that were involved with ICE or there are concerns about them developing AI, mm-hmm. they're they're just promising us. I know it will be ethical, but how do we know that? How can we take them on good faith when there's no transparency? Yeah, there's, a weird,
2: there's a weird thing that's different between these two situations as well. In like the '30s, your your average person in America or Germany probably didn't have anything to do with IBM, mm-hmm. whereas nowadays. All the companies who were sort of worried about doing the same sort of thing to do with automation are companies that actually, even though they get a bit of a bad rep in the tech press, most people trust. Mm. I mean, I don't think any fewer people are using Facebook after Cambridge Analytica. Mm. And this sort of, there's this weird acceptance. I don't think they are. No, they I aren't. I think they've had a backlash. No, they, they had. I don't the, you, think user so. User growth has not dropped to Facebook.
4: Yeah. It's slowed down, but they still increase their number of users by 11%. Yeah. So they're still, they're still growing.
2: To them, like for, sort of yeah. Frightening, isn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, yeah. it's weird that these are companies that everyone is aware of and the services they're integrated into, like the consumer's life. Yeah, um, in a way that IBM weren't. Now yeah. it's kind of conversely, even though we're more aware of them, it means we trust them more. Yeah, <laughs> or not we, but yeah, the, the wider we. It's a yeah. bit like
3: it's interesting you said integrated because it made me think of like how finance has been integrated into mm. absolutely everything. Yeah. And, every uh aspect of our careers and lives like pensions housing Mm. whatever it's all like tied to investment funds and casino gambling by various city bankers etc technology is kind of similar in that it's so pervasive into our lives now it's like is it is it too late because Mm. we we've already trusted all this data over to them Mm. because I think that, I think there is a growing awareness, even if the user count hasn't dropped, that mm. um, data uh, awareness about data generally. Yeah. But
2: no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like yeah. we've already given it to them. That's we the we, we <laughs> weren't I we don't thinking about it. I see some of these like articles it, like. that come yeah. out, and they're a little bit self-righteous. I kind of see what they're trying to do, but it's just like I didn't use Facebook or Google services mm. for a week, well, and well this done. is what happened. I was like, yeah, fine, but like it was really difficult for you to do that yeah. in your modern workflow. It's not, it's and not also, tenable to just say, don't use these things. Yeah. It isn't,
4: it just isn't like, yeah. Uh, yeah.
3: I mean, my solution obviously is to nationalize Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Amazon <Yeah. laughs> and, and Spoons. <laughs> <laughs> and spoons, obviously. you probably yeah. have a
2: lot of our yeah, yeah, data yeah. as well, really. Yeah. Different
4: yeah. scale, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: I, I went to a Spoons a couple of months ago and the bar staff were wearing body-worn cameras. I thought that was really weird. Really? Oh, that is
4: weird. Yeah. Oh God, they're everywhere. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I was kind of hoping that we'd reach some sort of like conclusion to this, but it's yeah. actually one of those topics that's so huge and and brings in so many different issues that it's just, here are some things to be worried about, basically. I mean, I
3: feel like I've barely even touched on yeah. the actual mm. IBM Nazi story and we're probably running out of time People to should read it on that. techworld.com. Yes, I, they I, I hope that. they do, yeah.
5: Is there a sense that employees at IBM at the time were conscious of their responsibility, that they had issues with it morally, like like Charlotte was talking about, whistleblowers from within the company or things like that.
3: So uh, Edwin Black, not just him, but many, many researchers who've been working with him for free and in good faith because it's a topic of such importance have combed through extensive, extensive records. And he told me that there was not a single protest from anyone in IBM at all. Wow. And it's not... It's not just IBM. Like, in World War II, there have been books written about collaborators with Nazi Germany. I mean, Ford lobbied the Mm -hmm. US Air Force not to bomb its factories in Nazi Germany. And they complied. So there'd be bombing raids over Nazi Germany. And they wouldn't bomb the Ford factories that (laughs) were making the equipment for the Nazis.
4: Mm. Wasn't Ford quite... Pally with Hitler in some capacity
3: I mean Thomas Watson of IBM praised Mussolini at yeah. and got a medal personally from, from Ford her. I mean Ford
4: was definitely he a Hitler sympathiser he was known for his anti-Semitic yeah. view yeah, yeah. yeah. I, have, I mean I have a feeling I don't know my, my dad used to work at Ford and I remember him talking about that but I don't know if he if if it went beyond just liking him. I mean, a, a
3: lot of these business people did like yeah. fascism because they were scared of socialism and communism, yeah. and they thought it was a bulwark against it, yeah. um, and praised them. Like Thomas Watson himself wasn't an ideological fascist, but he did spot mm. an opportunity to make a lot of money, and mm. they did through Nazi Germany. Yeah. yeah, I mean, after after the war, or even during the war. Uh, people from IBM employees would be embedded with the army and they'd go into factories where these tabulating machines were and recover them.
5: <laughs> mm. Yeah.
3: Like mm. it, the the scale of it is just astonishing really.
5: Yeah. It's an uncomfortable thought though, isn't it? When you have to start confronting what what companies would do, what we would do if we were living under or associated with a regime that was doing things
4: like that. And also, but I think it's not even just the regime. It's It's the start. The thing that sort of scares me is that is that ibm got into this when it actually probably seemed maybe not innocuous but they were collecting data about the population and this the scary thing is it shows how easily you can go from something that seems fairly routine to something incredibly sinister and without without that being prevented in some way that Mm. that's it's the slippery Slippery slope that's what scares that's what scares me most about this story
3: uh that like like you said david like i don't know i i've given a lot of thought and i think a lot of my friends a lot of people have like what would you do if fascism was on the rise and we'd all like to think that we'd be like brave people who'd go out and do everything in our power we could to stop it but Mm. actually i'm not sure that's Mm. the case but i mean at least people are protesting
2: i guess
4: (laughs) with whimsical signs yeah yeah
2: food for thought thank thank you um I'm going to go off and cry now. (laughs) I know. Yeah, stick with Mm. us, listener. Uh, We'll lighten lighten the tone slightly with a billionaire, uh, egotistical maniac.
0: (laughs) Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
2: What the zuck has happened now?
4: (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I mean, a lot of people may feel saddened to hear that Mark Zuckerberg's personal value took a hit of $16 billion this this week. Um, Basically, uh, Facebook announced its uh, second quarter earnings and immediately after that happened, its um, share price, its stock price dropped by twenty percent, which is, I believe, the biggest ever drop in a single day that a company has ever experienced, yeah. ever. So, so it's so it's huge, um, and it has wiped one hundred and eighteen billion dollars off the value of of Facebook's. Um, yeah, so of, of important, Facebook.
2: important to note that they haven't technically lost that much money. No, but but so it's, it's just, just the that value has yeah,
4: the theoretical value of Facebook is is now
2: significantly. If less. we wanted to, you know, have a whip round and buy it.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's a good, that's a good, uh, good thought. Um, so basically, uh, a lot of people have kind of been questioning why this happened. Um, it's it, it's quite weird, because if you actually look at the kind of revenue growth, like they still experienced revenue growth, they still the user growth still increased as well. Yeah, but it just increased more slowly than it ever has before. So people are basically now reaching the point where they're saying, right, there is actually a limit to Facebook's
2: growth. Limit to the number of people on the, planet Earth. <laughs> yeah,
4: well, yeah. yeah. Um, but but also, so it's a bit of a funny one. People are making this out like it's really bad for Facebook. And okay, I understand that theoretically 20% sounds like a huge drop. Yeah. But actually it's just that they're not, it's not like they're even going to stop growing. It's just that they're going to not grow quite as quickly as they were before. So actually I'm, I'm a bit kind of, you know, it, it, I, I wouldn't read... I think i wouldn't read quite as much into it as some people are i think it was inevitable that facebook at some point was going to start growing more slowly they right. haven't even reached the limit of how many people are signing up um it's, it's essentially the reason that that people are now betting they're, that they're worth less is that their revenue is going to expand more slowly and the reason it's going to expand more slowly is because their costs are going up right and their costs are going up for a number of reasons gdpr is one of the reasons um not necessarily a huge one they're, they're also under pressure to really beef up their privacy and their security measures so um they're, they're basically they're gonna have to spend some money so yeah that's some really deep analysis for we all.
2: <laughs> well so is, is is it to say that, that this drop is uh, the result of recent and uh, quite numerous scandals that facebook's been involved in if we think like not just Cambridge Analytica and everything that happened yeah. uh, this year, but past years, like with the news feed and sort of um, supposedly suppressing conservative views to certain people and mm-hmm. um, meddling in elections and what have you. Is is this, is this just generally coming to a head and they've lost a bit of value? But what you're saying is that really it's still fine. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I certainly don't think it's it's, it's... it's kind of important to get this into perspective because Facebook is so huge and worth so much money that, that people, it, you can't really treat it like you would most companies, in a way. Um, I think that there's a number of reasons. I, I think it's very easy to sort of draw a direct link between some of these scandals and the share price dropping. I don't think there is one, there isn't really a particular, you can't point to a reason why it's happened. But certainly, um, yeah, I mean, they've had, a, Facebook has had a pretty torrid year, Um you know I think trust in in the platform has gone down hugely I mean people might have seen there's a big advertising um yeah campaign going around that basically says like fake news is not our friend and it's on bus stops and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah it, is, it is pretty weird actually, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's also really badly worded and wishy
2: washy, but anyway. <laughs> oh, I think I actually heard an audio of like a thing they've done, right? Yeah. They've done a new campaign. Yeah, they're on a big like,
4: PR push now to try and make people like them more. Yeah, and it's kind of
2: like trying to, there's this sort of um, music playing and there's a, an American guy with like a lilting voice yeah. talking about how we all just came together a bit more. The world yeah, that, that is one of the big, right.
4: that is the biggest message that Facebook tries to That's use. Like and the worst thing that Facebook is at. It's quite yeah. long as well. Oh, it is it, actually. It's
2: saying like, we know we did bad, but if you just like upload a few more photos. Like... Then it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I
4: mean, they the core message that they always try to put out, regardless of, I mean, in every interview. So so someone um, on the tech team did an interview with Facebook's um, chief diversity officer last week. And even they are using it, even though it's not relevant to the conversation, mm. they'll go on about how Facebook's connecting people. And that is their big talking point, And that's the thing that they always like to say um and something that Zuckerberg when he was giving testimony to the uh, con- during the congressional hearings is something that he kept on saying despite the overwhelming weight of evidence that suggests they are in fact not particularly doing that i mean they are doing it to an extent but they are also doing a lot of other things that are very problematic yeah.
3: remember, so- <laughs> remember when they conducted psychological experiments on users secretly yeah. to see if they could alter their moods by yeah. showing them like things that, that would make them happy or sad yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you believe it? they did that in secret? And they're saying, know. That, you know, yeah. we're connecting people and it's I all happy. No, you're yeah. conducting psychological experiments with people like without their consent. I, like. I know. like It is
4: absolutely horrible. I mean, imagine if you tried to run that as a... If that would never get past any kind of, like, ethics committee. I mean, it's just so inappropriate. <laughs> it's so, mad, isn't it? Yeah. It... It, just, it
2: shows you, like, what we were talking about in the last... Uh, segment that these companies are just so big that no one's really policing them. Yeah, And it's always like, I'll just do something naughty and then say sorry afterwards. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Not not to bring it completely back round to the Holocaust, but um, to rep another podcast, Kara Swisher interviewed Mark Zuckerberg for Recode. And he made a clangor in that, which didn't get as much mainstream press as I thought it would. It did get a few Mm. headlines where he was, um, (laughs) as a Jewish man himself, I thought it was strange that he voluntarily brought up holocaust denial Mm. as uh something which he wouldn't suppress on his platform because he was basically saying that they're just like misled and that they're not actually they don't actually believe it he was kind of sort of saying that and he used that as the example of why they wouldn't stop sort of alt-right propaganda and fake news on well not necessarily fake news on their platform but things that are sort of objectively wrong Mm. That he wouldn't suppress it because he said it was sort of against free speech. It was like
3: Twitter refusing to kick off Nazis until eventually they did, but for the longest time they'd ban users for really like minor offences. Yeah, swearing Uh, at Ben Swearing. Yeah. yeah. They have. Yeah. But Nazis (laughs) actually organising on the platform to, you know plan hate rallies oh it's fine it's just free speech yeah
4: yeah. yeah. I mean a lot of (laughs) yeah I think all of the platforms have have really uh, come unstuck on this issue I think
2: this might have a lot to do with share price dropping slightly surely Uh,
4: yeah I mean because investors are like well
2: he won't suppress obvious racists
4: (laughs) It's not, I don't think it's so much maybe that. Maybe suppression it, is the wrong word. It, it's, it's not so much that. It's more that, oh, Facebook might actually have to spend some money employing people to think about this mm-hmm. and to worry about it. So it's, it's, it's more about the costs that are associated with and doing that. Do
2: you think maybe also it's because they have a CEO who is quite public and regularly puts his foot in it? Whereas yeah. someone like Google, we know they're not doing great things behind the scenes, but Sundar Pichai kind of keeps quiet. He crops up every now and then, and yeah. tells you how great the Pixel phone is. I mean, to
4: be fair, I don't think Zuckerberg. I mean, he yeah, actually is... he,
2: he's not he's not a good interview. No, he's not good. But he's <laughs> well, actually he is, quite he's actually he's quite
4: private. I mean, I don't think he likes. I, in fact, to be honest, I don't really know why he did it. Um, I yeah. don't think he especially likes uh, or finds it comfortable being interviewed. Um, but I think that he's been kind of forced to. But they have no you know, other... He ha- you can't just have hide. no other recognisable personality no, they exactly.
3: can put in front of anyone. Yeah. But he yeah. is also a stack of grey aliens in a zip-up suit. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he... he yeah and, no. In a North
2: Face pullover. He, yeah. <laughs> he is
4: not someone that... I mean, obviously... Uh, I know that I don't want. To, I don't want to be mean to Mark. I don't. I, but I, he's <laughs> not on. someone that's not that you can that you can remotely warm to. And I think. No matter how you look at it, Facebook is very much something that he created. It's his thing. You know, there's no. It's, I think that's the problem. He's, he didn't take every over every after someone else, including
2: it. that one they did last week. He would not. Sh- he still has to mention that it's not something that uh, I run from my dorm anymore. And it's like it's like he's seen the social network mm-hmm. and not really liked it, but being like I'm, I'm fucking badass. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's yeah. really annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's, kind of, yeah, it's it, strange that it won't grow beyond his idea and like his yeah. leadership. In that he sort of thinks that by blanket. Saying no, it's a free speech platform. Yeah, actually, he can wash his hands of any responsibility mm, whatsoever.
4: Yeah, but then, but then they, they all these companies flip flop on this all the time, though, because they. I mean, they've banned Alex Jones from InfoWars for, for th- Facebook for thirty days. So, for thirty days, so yeah. they are doing something. So I'm sorry, but you can't have a position where you just say this is free speech. You have to ultimately. Take a view. You just, you just have to. You, I, you know, they, they, even if they don't, even if they, I understand that they don't want to censor things, and I do get, I do get that to an extent, but they do that. Like, you can't put pictures of yourself breastfeeding sometimes on Facebook. So they are taking a view. They can't pretend that they're not. Mm. They, they can't just go, oh, "We're not picking sides."
3: I think the the million-dollar question for me here is like, at what point? How does a company like Facebook? reach consensus on what to censor and what not to censor Mm. because unlike... Uh, what's the amendment in America? The free speech one. Mm, I can't, one, what, what one, of check, one of the amendments. One of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So unlike second, is it The second. The second. I don't know.
4: It's one. one. The fifth it's, is it's one the, one right of the, uh, the right to stay silent. Ah, the right <laughs> to stay silent. It's the yeah, pleading the fifth. It, I think. Uh, second, uh, second amendment is guns. Yeah, first, no, First is guns. Yeah, because yeah. that's
2: the most important, so they put it first. Yeah, first I, I don't know. I'm not. Right?
4: To be honest, I know what the amendments <laughs> are, but I don't know what number. they're One of the early ones.
3: Anyway, like, arguably, unlike papers, which do have that right in the media to free speech and are protected. Yeah. uh companies don't like it's all it's all up to them and what they decide should or shouldn't mm. be published and i i agree that like this hateful like far right stuff that's actually inciting people to violence should be suppressed or at least like socially ostracized or pushed away because it's like ultimately harmful but mm. at, what if they overstep the mark what mm. if you get an even more corporatized view of what you should and shouldn't read. Mm. like It's like Google News, right? They'll have to start weighing publications against each other.
4: Yeah. It's it is a, it's a genuine, really difficult challenge. Like Anyone who kind of weighs in on this and is like, oh, well, they should just do this. It's not like that. This is really complex and difficult. And I think,
2: like, again, to bring it back to our last section, though not completely directly, what you were saying about how IBM did these things because they were just so excited that they could actually achieve that technologically because really it's like some nerds who were, like, doing something um, cool in isolation. Um, Again, from that Swisher interview, she was saying, like, when she first interviewed them, when they, uh, or the the dev team, or whoever it was, the product team, when they launched Facebook Live, you know, they're just live streaming on Facebook. Mm. And they gave this huge presentation about how excited they were that people could, like, you know, do birthday parties around the world and all these things. Mm. And when uh, someone actually just asked them point blank, uh, what about, you know, self-harm and people, Mm. like, yeah committing crime and murders and suicide and like they had the team even said on the record that they hadn't even thought of that
4: so that is astonishing they
2: are so blinkered in yeah. Facebook is a thing for good and Zuckerberg is like it's a great thing it connects people but actually they're enabling a lot of really dark things that they literally tr- don't think about Yeah, they're, just drinking yeah. The they're not even ignoring it they they just, they're just so yeah. they're so privileged Wait, so in so their just, position it's just a self image it's, yeah. like, yeah. it's like yeah. the,
5: the Elon, Elon Musk thing that particularly Zuckerberg, views himself as a sort of saviour of humanity Mm. and he thinks that he he cannot do... He literally thinks he cannot do things that are wrong because he is himself and he's so important. And and unfortunately,
2: what these things are all now kind of showing, or maybe that I'm worried that he is beginning to believe, is that he can screw up several times... And it kind of just goes away because mm, yeah. everyone still he still goes into those meetings and sees a graph with Facebook still getting money and people are still yeah. joining up. And really, yeah. all he has to do is take a few hits, which he doesn't really give a shit about.
4: Yeah, I mean, even despite and now he's being fine. yeah, I mean, despite sixteen billion being being you know in theoretical uh, drop in, of his personal wealth, he's still worth a huge amount of money. <laughs> so I think I do wonder about that, like whether this this kind of uh, I mean, it is it, I shouldn't downplay it. It is quite major, mm. but I wonder. Is he actually going to look at that and think, hmm, you know, what does this mean? I think it's difficult because they, the capacity that Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook seem to have for self-reflection is just so minimal. They just don't seem to be able to step away from the situation and say, oh, wait a minute, this is actually quite complex. And maybe we should do things differently. They just will say, oh, yeah, but actually we're still making things better. And if you say something, well, your that's whole because, business model is built on advertising. if they
2: say that, then investors go, oh, yeah, right." Yeah,
4: yeah, of <laughs> course. But it's just it's just kind of saying, okay, actually, this is a problem that we need to look at. It, I don't know. They don't want to do that, though. I know, I know. It could
2: cost them money to do that.
4: Yeah. I mean, I think probably the thing to say is that they will, I imagine that they'll try and focus on getting more revenue from things like Instagram or other... I'm sure that they will find ways to to overcome this. I don't think Facebook's going to, you know...
5: And because it's a drop-in shareholder sort of valuation, Mm -hmm. then that suggests to me that there isn't necessarily a problem at all. Yeah. That maybe it's just a perception thing that they've got spooked and they think, you know, they all think among themselves, you get that snowballing effect. They think, well, other people are going to devalue them, therefore I'll sell my shares.
4: Yeah. Yeah, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if Facebook's share price, it goes back up to... Not, not that far off uh, where it was before. There, I, I don't think it will be a huge impact.
3: There was a headline in The Onion today or yesterday that said Mark Zuckerberg's net worth plunges not even close to enough. <laughs>
2: time, yeah, like. yeah, absolutely. And that is quite a good way to wrap yeah. it up. Um, I will ask uh, the question, Charlotte um, up, zucking away, or zucks to be you?
4: Zucks to be you? Tamlin. <laughs> Zuck off. <laughs> <laughs> David. Uh, I,
5: I think still up,
2: zucking away. Because you think he'll be fine.
5: I think he'll be fine. I, I think they. I
2: think they should get rid of him. I know that's what? <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> he did. That refuse might be a bit recently difficult. On the record to fire himself.
4: Yeah, so that might be difficult given that he president
2: instead or something. Well,
4: well yeah, that some sort of that hasn't it, was,
2: out. it was. It was just farcical. In, in an interview, he was like, um, "If anyone should be fired because of these controversies, <laughs> it should be me." And then they were like, "Will you fire yourself?" And he goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, the company with even more money than Facebook. David Price. Hello. Macworld Editor. Um, before we talk about the drama, <laughs> um, which doesn't really seem like drama <laughs> after the two topics we've just discussed. Um, Apple did some new MacBook Pros. What's new about the new MacBook Pros? Uh,
5: they well, no, Nothing externally. They look the same on the outside, but they have uh, all new innards is like it, the uh, several use? versions of
2: Zuckerberg they wheel out. <laughs> exactly.
5: <laughs> they there's um this actually quite a new a new thing for Apple that they've got uh, the Core i9 Intel processor.
2: Um, that's a that's a that's a big that's a big core.
5: Well, it it's got two more cores than um, than mm-hmm. the one they had last year. So it's a six
2: core like. i9. <laughs> for the first time in a, in an Apple laptop.
5: Well, this is the the interesting thing is that that is a that is a new processor. Apple doesn't normally do that. Normally they go oh you know what what. Process have been knocking around for nine months and we'll stick one of them in but this one i think is like two months old you probably yep. know more about that than me no you're correct um so it's it's much more powerful than in the past and it should be a bit of a powerhouse and is not necessarily always performing in that way as we will discuss in a moment they've also changed the keyboard um a little bit uh, and they said they were just trying to make it quieter um, and then, and I don't know why I don't know why they did this. They just oh yeah, we just made it quieter. And then obviously I fix it, tore a MacBook to pieces as they always do with every product. And they said oh actually there's um, a little rubber membrane under each key. What what's the, what's that there for? And then they said actually yeah, that's to stop dust getting in there. Yeah. Uh, so, which what had been allegedly a problem with the previous generation of MacBooks, and they said, "Oh, there's no problem. There's no problem. We'll just put this rubber membrane in here, just for no reason." And Keep just it before quiet.
2: this, they'd also because the the keys have shallower travel, so if you get a bit of like literally a bit of crumb in there, your entire key can stop working. So this is
4: a major issue then for yeah, and it has been the for Mac two years. To- and just before
2: not. the release, just before the release of this uh, MacBook, they admitted that that within well, it was a problem. They would allow for like a longer warranty on keyboards mm-hmm. of existing products, yeah. then said they made the new keyboard slightly quieter, as David said, but actually they were like, oh, actually, yeah, we did. Rubber's just their
3: answer to everything, isn't it? Don't you, do not you remember ages ago? <laughs> it is when, for you. <laughs>
2: when
3: when one of the iPhones had connectivity problems and Apple gave out a bit of rubber that you a could bump stick onto it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> antenna yeah. gate around the iPhone 4, yeah. And yeah. smashed the competitor's phone on the floor during the
0: keynote (laughs) 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 that's how to do a keynote Um, so
2: um, they released these new laptops obviously every tech reviewer bought one or got um, lent one by Apple so what what was found out pretty straight pretty immediately
5: well uh, it wasn't it wasn't quite immediately so the initial reviews were were very positive and then I think the the patient zero as it were was this guy called uh, Dave Lee Dave Lee there you go a YouTuber Uh, who found out that when you test it at a high load, I think he was using Adobe Premiere, which is um, exactly the sort of software that people that buy MacBook Pros would use. It's very high-end demanding software, and he found that it, it ran really hot and then it started to throttle the speed and the speed dropped as soon as it got to this certain temperature. Yeah. Um, and then other people, well, so he, you know, he posted a video about that, and then other people started testing under similar conditions and they found that theirs throttled the speed as well, uh, although the results were very inconsistent and some people were finding that the i9 actually ran Uh, slower than the i7 which is meant to be a a, a weaker slower chip some people were finding that it was a bit faster but like nowhere near as fast as Apple said it should be and the whole thing was a bit of a
2: yeah Mm. uh, out of context this does sound a little bit like nerd moaning but um, particularly when Apple has done this for the first time as David said they've put brand new 8th generation Intel chips into new laptops Um, if you actually buy a core i9 uh, MacBook Pro um, and you want 32 gig of RAM And a higher sort of uh, SSD put in. You have to do a point of purchase, and basically, it's going to cost you over six thousand pounds. And so, if you're a pro and you spend that, and you you buy buy the i nine, and then when you actually do just a normal render, it throttles down to the machine that you didn't buy because you didn't think it was um, good enough. Yeah, that's a problem.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So this is why this explains why Neil kept on going on about a hot bottom for the whole week. He's he's the man who's been testing testing the. He's been testing the. uh, (laughs) He's been testing for it. So there's an overheating. There is, issue. and the Dave Lee, is- who, who knows what
2: he's talking about and is a great YouTuber, he, he put the uh, MacBook in a freezer and then it works properly. Right. And then so he, like you said, he started the uh, the snowball effects, but then Apple, did, yeah. Apple's immediately addressed this problem. Yeah,
5: they've been very quick. It took them less than a week to identify the problem, uh, put what? out an apology and a supplemental update to macOS uh, 10.13.6, um, which uh, appears to fix the problem the problem it, it, it and
2: a missing digital key in the firmware that impacts yeah. the thermal management system and could drive clock speeds down under heavy thermal loads
5: hmm. which is a, which is a bit of a dropped bollock um, it is and, and <laughs> to put it, it leads me
2: to ask
4: a dropped bollocks bad <laughs> <laughs> let's look at that if
5: you drop a bollock that's definitely a bad thing Ooh, right. <clears throat> a pair of bollocks dropping yeah. i would
2: say if you're 13
4: it's fine but you don't want to drop younger one younger than that <laughs>
2: <list>. <laughs> I'm looking at yeah. shut up um. should... i don't know i don't i
4: don't have any so i just asked that's why i asked
2: so the weird thing here, right, is that if they're putting out a computer no that they know professionals will thing, push to its absolute limit. Yes. Are we really to believe that the most valuable company in the world putting out a brand new laptop didn't test it properly? Right, are, so they, are they that complacent? Possibly or possibly not. I just don't um, buy that.
5: So our colleagues on Macworld US um, have done fantastic testing on this. And their they're thinking is that this reflects um, a declining culture of quality control at Apple over multiple years yeah and that essentially post
2: steve jobs basically
5: yeah well that that's how they argue i i mean as we've already heard there was antenna gate even under steve jobs i'm not sure that it is a a a wider cultural shift but i think they have got an issue Uh, and there's been a whole series of um, releases over the last year two years that have had these problems had these bugs that should have come up um and they haven't spotted them and it's almost as if they don't use them properly. yeah, so that's what they, you'd be led to believe. They were arguing that there should be uh, a VP in charge of quality control, specifically devoted to that, and a whole team that would just use Apple products in an in a day-to-day environment. And but they it should. To, come they up. used
2: to do that, right? So do you think, like, you know, remember when um, uh, an engineer left an iPhone four in a bar and, <laughs> yeah. and somebody gave it to Engadget?
5: Oh, maybe that's when they stopped. Maybe it? They I were, mean, like, well, and also do you remember, work.
2: yeah, just before the iPhone ten came out, a uh, engineer. Accidentally let his daughter do a whole YouTube video on it, (laughs) and he got fired. So, are they just like, are they so terrified of leaks that it's actually impacted quality control? They
5: they seem much less worried about leaks than they were under Steve Jobs. That that's when they got that reputation for uh, hyper hyper secrecy. And these days, you get yeah, but then a product came out and there
2: was nothing wrong with it.
5: Yes. Yes, well, <laughs> yes, that's why I think that's not necessarily the issue. Um, but yeah, they they should have spotted this, and it's not it's not really good enough to be honest. That they that they consistently make these problems, uh, make, make these mistakes with with new yeah. products, and it puts people off buying. and And Macquaries did this poll um, where they asked their readers this this specific issue, the throttling problem. Does that make you more nervous about buying Macs in general? Mm. And forty six percent said yes.
3: Which you, and That's uh, pretty big from a b- Mac in Yeah, so
5: this is a Mac community, people who are predisposed to be favourable to Apple, and a single, a single issue, a single controversy has has noticeably reduced. Totally, we'll I think I think
2: it's like a they're, now they're a bit stuck because the fact that this was found out relatively easily shows that it was a problem that they should have caught. Yeah. But then also, it shows, like you say, or at least implied. If you're spending this much money on a computer, what else is wrong with it? Yeah, exactly. I don't don't want to find out after I've spent £6,000.
5: Yeah, so recent MacBook Pros have had issues with the screens, they've had issues with the keyboard, and now they've got issues with the screen. There was the root bug where you could
2: log in to any Mac with no password. Yeah.
5: It's just the list. The list <laughs> is endless, and obviously, other product, other products, and other companies also have many issues, such as Samsung's phones exploding in your pocket. <clears throat> yeah,
2: and they yeah. oddly recovered from but, that. Yeah. But Apple, was there, the whole thing was, it just yeah. works. Exactly. And now they, now exactly. they don't.
5: They are based on trust. That that's why they can charge a lot of money for their products. Is because you you assume they will keep you safe. They will look after you. Like when we were talking about ethical companies, I really I didn't want to be the guy that always brings it back to Apple. Apple do not comply with repressive governments. When the FBI said you have to unlock this iPhone so that we can catch terrorists, which is like such a nasty play in terms of PR, they just said, well, no, we're not going to do that because mm. we mm. value security and privacy. And this is important as a, as a principle. Yeah. Um, but that that thing, that trust that you have individually with a company is going to get worn down if you keep on buying these things and they don't work. And it puts people off buying on the opening opening weekend that's like a yeah. film I suppose way of looking at it but um, I, I don't buy Apple products straight away if I can avoid it I would prefer to wait until the issues have been resolved
4: mm. yeah. I think that's I think a lot of people feel that way kind yeah. of let's see what's what's going to happen and, it's, and especially they've had that issue with updates hugely as well mm. kind of like what is this yeah. going to do what, what will this do to my phone yeah absolutely so you wait until yeah. one of your friends has done the update and then you jump in after you've established mm. it's not yeah. going to completely balk your no, that's
3: smart you're finally seeing nice MacBook clones with genuinely thin bezels and nice designs. And obviously, they don't run on OS X or whatever the OS is called these days. Mac OS. <laughs> That's it. Um, but do you, do you think the, the quality of uh, copycat machines from competitors is going to start eating into the Apple faithful if this sort of thing carries on? It's hard to know yeah. whether
2: it will cut into Apple faithful because we're still looking at products like the iPhone 10 that has the occasional bug and then right. like the 6,000 pound MacBook Pro, which um, people are still probably not going to want to uh, change operating systems in a hurry if they can, mm-hmm. they can help it. But yeah, um, I do, I do agree with you that in general in the consumer market, there are tons of slightly cheaper um, windows machines that are much better build quality now and reliability. And um, if you like windows, then why wouldn't you spend that? And also when the, I think the base MacBook now, the cheapest MacBook you can buy that isn't a MacBook air, uh, costs one thousand two hundred and fifty pounds, and you can spend about maybe just over half of that on a Windows if you want. Because I think, would, would you agree, David, that the MacBook Air, which we are <laughs> we're using to record on right now, for maybe eight years was just it was just always the best laptop for most yeah. people that you could buy, and it's not anymore because they haven't updated it, and now their more expensive um, products have more problems.
5: They they have more problems, and they they also don't have a drastically updated design no. I, th- I think that's partly you talk about clones but apple has had the same design pretty much of its macbooks for a long long time mm-hmm. um and of course people are gonna incorporate that design they're gonna they're gonna copy it if they came out with something that was genuinely new like an iphone 10 of macbooks then well it would it would be good for multiple reasons but it would also make the clones have a year of trying to catch up again mm-hmm.
2: thank you uh if you want to drop six grand, maybe research first. You can get it.
5: You can get it for less. Or you can, you can, you can, you can I get the bit, I9 for sort of three, four grand. Yeah. You if know, you don't get the four, four gigabytes yeah. SSD. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: actually if you add the four terabyte SSD at point of purchase to the i seven MacBook Pro, the add on actually costs more than the laptop. Yeah. It costs two thousand 800 and something pounds to add a four terabyte SSD, which, to, be fair, very fast, to be fair to Apple, was actually market value, which is fucking insane. <laughs> uh, David Price, Mac OS oh yes, or Mac oh no?
4: <laughs> <laughs> you really put a lot of thought into that, didn't you? <laughs> Did you just do that on the spot? Uh,
2: yes. <laughs> uh, Mac, oh yes. Still, still, you're going to stick with Mac. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, editor of Macworld. Um, Tamlin McGee. <laughs> Mac Charlotte, do you like Apple? No. (laughs) Okay, cool. Thanks for joining us for this uh, light-hearted, bumpy ride uh, (laughs) through the Holocaust, stock prices and expensive computers. Uh, We will be back next week as we approach uh, episode 100. A few more to go. We will try and be timely. Thank you for being here, everybody.
5: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Goodbye. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast.